The weeks surrounding Pentecost are especially dense with the solemnities and feasts of saints. May 10th is the earliest that Pentecost can occur. You may remember that that has not happened since 1818. And June 13th is the latest Pentecost can occur. That won't happen until 2038. Between those two dates, there is a full calendar of memorials, feasts, and solemnities, including Trinity Sunday, today's Corpus Christi, the Sacred Heart, and later on toward the end of the month, Saints Peter and Paul and the birth of John the Baptist. This explosion of liturgical activity is a little like corks popping on champagne bottles. It implies that the party has not ended with Easter, but goes on for another 12 weeks. And the point of the party is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just his personal vindication over death, but a victory over sin and death in the lives of countless men and women who have followed in his footsteps throughout the ages. The vindication of the whole human race, in effect, and the offer of salvation to all who believe and are incorporated into Christ through the Easter sacraments. Now, throwing a 12-week party to celebrate grace and holiness in the lives of ordinary people is, at the very least, a modest response to God's gift of salvation in the face of the extraordinary capacity of human beings for evil. Unfortunately, for every party, there are always party poopers. There is no legal limit to the number of killjoys that the planet can sustain on any given day. To liturgical minimalists, all this liturgy seems fussy and exaggerated. Until you compare our liturgical calendar with that of the Eastern Orthodox Church, we observe the solemnity of All Saints as an autumn festival on November the 1st. The Orthodox celebrate All Saints as a spring festival on the second Sunday after Pentecost. And according to their calendar for 2023, that happens to be today. The abundance of feasts of saints in the East and the West in the weeks surrounding Pentecost gives witness to the deep intuition about the meaning of Pentecost in the life of the Church. We are seeing in the liturgy the transformative power of the Holy Spirit unleashed in the Church. So while the Byzantines churches are making Mary celebrating all saints today, we in the West are celebrating Corpus Christi. They celebrate the source of holiness and we celebrate its effects on the lives of the baptized. Once upon a time when I was studying theology in Washington, D.C., I heard a professor refer to this feast as an example of liturgical overkill. We already had, he said, a feast celebrating the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday. Why do we need another one barely two months later? The answer is that on Holy Thursday, it's not possible to honor the gift of the Eucharist with processions and thanksgivings that mark this feast day. Holy Thursday points to the memory of Judas' betrayal, Peter's denial, and the passion of Christ. That was the intuition of the person 
who originally inspired the Church to institute Corpus Christi. Her name was Saint Juliana of Liège. She was a Norbertine nun who lived in what is now Belgium. Saint Juliana wanted to honor the Blessed Sacrament on a day other than Holy Thursday. She mentioned her idea to a small group of clerics, one of whom was named Father Pantelion. He's better known today as Pope Urban IV, the Pope who put Corpus Christi on the universal calendar. Catholics placed the Eucharist at the center of their weekly and even daily worship. This is why we do not approach Holy Communion casually, why we genuflect before the tabernacle, bow before the reception of the sacrament, why we fast from food and drink for one hour before receiving Holy Communion, why we use candles, chant, bells, and incense, this, these are not liturgical frills and thrills. They are what the enlightened despisers of Catholicism like to call bells, smells, and yells. This is the way we remind ourselves that this is not mere bread and wine, but this is Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity present under the appearance of bread and wine. This is why one of the necessary conditions for proper participation in the Eucharist is a life lived in imitation of the one who offers himself as the saving victim. Receiving Holy Communion means believing in him, choosing him, committing our lives to him, becoming holy as he is holy, so that over the course of our lives we too become saints and perhaps might find a day on a future calendar. In other words, we become who we eat and drink. St. Augustine of Hippo is said to have used similar words to invite his people to communion. He said, the gifts of God for the people of God. See who you are, become who you see.